Welcome to Know Them, Be Them, Raise Them, a show to help moms stay informed and inspired so they can show up for themselves and their daughters the way they want to. I'm your host, Carmelita Tu. Join me each week as I cover a variety of topics, all designed to support mindful and growth-oriented moms of girls, especially girls in their crucial tween and teen years. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, tell a friend, and follow at KnowBeRaiseThem on Instagram and Facebook. So I recently watched the movie Turning Red with my daughters. The film tells the story of Mei Li, a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian student who, due to a hereditary curse, transforms into a giant red panda when she expresses strong emotions. In addition to the laughter and suspense that Pixar does so well, it got us talking about family relationships and the ways that I interact with my parents and whether I interact with them, my daughters, in the same way. It really made me think about the ways that all of us are impacted by our parents and caregivers, good and bad, especially where there may be difficult experiences, trauma, or cultural differences in addition to the usual parent-teen struggles. That's why I was so excited to chat with Stephanie J. Wong, Ph.D. Stephanie is an Asian-American licensed clinical psychologist, entrepreneur, and founder and host of the award-winning Color of Success podcast. She works in private practice with tech professionals, most of whom are ethnic minorities, and at a hospital serving military veterans. Her training in clinical interviewing has led to fireside chats with diverse podcast guests about advancing their careers and addressing mental health and cultural identity. Dr. Wong is also a keynote speaker in academic, entertainment, and corporate settings, sharing her expertise in mental health, diversity training, and the treatment of anxiety, depression, substance abuse, work-related stress, and relationship and cultural concerns. Here's our chat. I'm so excited to have you here, Stephanie. Your background and your expertise is something that I know my listeners glom onto. It's hard not to want to learn about ourselves and others in a, a deeper way in the hopes of improving our understanding of our relationships as well as what we bring to them. So I, I'm just really thrilled to have you here with us. Thank you so much for having me. I We've caught up a little bit before the actual interview and you're so positive and such a joy. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you're here today, and and thank you again for being here to speak about this, but a topic that's come up with people I know that listen to the podcast is one of generational patterns and cycles, and this awareness that maybe we're carrying things that we didn't necessarily choose. So I'm curious, you know, I think we all sort of have a sense for what negative patterns are, negative cycles, negative behaviors, and then we understand how... The, things can be carried down from generation to generation. But I'd love to hear the psychologist's take, what you think really is the difference between kind of negative patterns generally and generational ones. Yeah, I'll start with the generational patterns. I think what makes it distinct from just general patterns is that these genetics and behaviors and thoughts and values get passed on from, you know, your parents or caregivers and their parents and caregivers and it just trickles down. One of the things that I do in my practice is a cultural genogram, which is basically a souped up family tree, but it has a narrative to it. And it helps us think a little bit about what were sources of shame, pride, what's the socio-historical context in which our families immigrated to America or another country. 
And it helps us become more aware of what values we want to continue to carry on Mm -hmm. and transmit to our own children, especially since we both have daughters. We briefly talked about gender roles, but gender roles is part of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. who do we look for to be leaders in our families, in our communities, and maybe changing the script on that because times have changed and uh, we view ourselves in a different way. Yeah. Patterns are, as you can surmise, just things that may be uh, people are doing over time. It could be very individualistic as well. Not to say that everything is influenced by generational patterns, but, you know, just your general temperament and your personality and Mm. how you're interacting with the community and yourself and how you cope with your emotions. Also, there's an intersection. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that and kind of laying it out there. And I love what you mentioned. I forget how you refer to it. Is it a genogram? A cultural or? genogram, yeah. That's so fascinating. I've never heard of something like that. And it. Uh, I feel like now I want to do one because... <laughs> I'll send you the article after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So I'm curious, you know, now that we know what generational patterns are, are there, do you notice some of them popping up more? Um you know, I happen to be of Asian descent, as are you. And I just recently saw Turning Red, that yes. new Pixar film. And so, oh my gosh, well, <laughs> we could talk about that. And I yes. loved it, by the way. Yes, I loved it too. And but I also 100% identified with the mom's fear of talking to her mom, not with mm-hmm. my mom, but sometimes my dad. Like he has a a strong presence that. I think mimicked and and echoed some of what we saw in the film like just he's a very strong person and the way that it manifests can sometimes create fearful feelings in me and so when i saw that i was simultaneously laughing and kind of yeah just lots of explaining to my daughters but yeah i'm curious are there are there patterns you've seen especially maybe with um, immigrant families or asian american families now that we're on the topic of the movie Well, I think what was very special about the movie is it was talking about emotions and the intersection with culture. And Mm. that's at the heart of a lot of work that I do. Some of the generational patterns that I see are um, emotional suppression, not really talking about emotions within the family. Very different than our family because my kids have a mom for a psychologist and it's like, well, what do you feel? (laughs) I feel X, Y, and Z is what they'll say. You know, (laughs) I feel embarrassed and it's very like refined, but the vocabulary or the dialogue there may not be transferred from generation to generation. I know in my mom's generation, going to therapy was taboo, getting Mm -hmm. a divorce. Um, Mm -hmm. And those aspects are kind of swept under the rug and We have to think about the consequences, though, to our internal coping strategies. Are we able to cope with distress in a healthy way? And even our ancestors, um, people that have immigrated, they have a lot of perhaps PTSD and pass Mm. on that intergenerational trauma that impacts the way that you're interacting with other people. Mm -hmm. You know, the... The PTSD reference reminded me, I have a friend who is dating a veteran and he has a very difficult time speaking about his experiences. 
it's just interesting how we need to come up with, you know, the coping strategies and the ability to dialogue and communicate about these issues, I imagine, in order to have optimal relationships um, with ourselves and with others. Absolutely. Hmm. So I'm someone that I think is a kind of a personal growth junkie. Like I've always been interested in it. I remember reading The Alchemist and The Four Agreements, you know, oh, all those the, things. You're a woman of my heart. That's The <laughs> Alchemist is one of my favorite books. I don't want to be cliche, but it's just, oh, it's timeless. It's so good. And then The Four Agreements, I've had it on my shelf for probably 20 years, but I had forgotten that lesson about don't take things personally. And someone referenced it recently. I'm like, right, I need to tell my daughters this. This is something that when you feel hurt or mistreated, like, is it really about you in any event? So I'm someone that seeks out advice when it comes to how can I be a better parent? So when it comes to patterns, generational patterns, do you have any advice for how moms or parents can help identify them and, and maybe, you know, reflect from a, from a distance as to how they can stop or alter it for the future? Well, that's a very complex question. And I think part of it is, like you said, doing your own work. That is so important. Really, that self-awareness is facilitated not only by reflecting on things, but getting feedback. And mm. fortunately for us, our kids are old enough to tell us, hey, do you feel pressure? How, why you know, are you feeling a little bit stressed? Is mommy doing X, Y, and Z? Just to role model that we're thinking about our behaviors and it's not just us wagging our finger at them. And mm. for us to be able to tell them our rationalization and if they agree or not, they, they're very honest, right? It's like, I don't wanna do this, but it's like, it could be multidimensional as to why they don't wanna do this. For instance, Kumon, we had a discussion about Kumon. The, the thing about it was, we gave them an option to stop, to quit. And we said, you know, though, if you start over resume, you're gonna have to pick up your progress and you may not be at a place where, you know, my youngest loves trophies. She's externally motivated uh, <laughs> to get your trophy or whatever. And so she, they both declined, but also they started seeing that in their grades, they were above level and that mm. helped them feel ahead of the game. I am, I would say a slight tiger mom, but not really because I give my kids the options to have mental health days. And I say, hmm. it's not really going to impact your life. There's no reason why you can't take care of yourself. So I think, again, it goes back to role modeling. Even with my staff, I tell them, take your sick leave, take those mental health days. Hmm. Um, and also with them asking feedback from people in your network, your co-workers, your employees in a very human way, not like here's a survey, four out of five, <laughs> like how am I communicating? But if you could change one thing, what would it be in our interactions? Mm. Wow. I can see how that could be helpful and also so vulnerable. You know, I, I can see myself doing that with my close friends, but also being a little bit afraid of the responses. Yeah. So being in that headspace of, like you said, growth and willingness to evolve, even if it means maybe a little bit of discomfort along the way. Sounds like that's paramount, but the end result can be beautiful. Mm -hmm. So you touched on something about dialoguing with your kids and getting their feedback. I struggle with hearing my kids' feedback and then automatically trying to come up with arguments as to why my position is right. <laughs> and I think it does come from my how I was raised, where it was my dad's way or 
we, we sure. didn't dialogue directly with my dad about big issues. It was always with my mom and she was this intermediary. And then we'd get the verdicts you know, at some point after she's had the chance to approach my dad at just the right time where he wasn't too stressed with work. He seemed more you know, relaxed or something. Um, so I grew up with that dynamic of I never thought to overtly contest or challenge my parents' opinions. So now in this new phase that I'm leaning into of having a different relationship with my girls, I'm, I'm so foreign to having someone, it's, it's not even talking back, uh, I guess challenge is the right way to put it. Um, so I'm wondering, are there tips or ways that moms can think of their kids or, or just kind of approaching that dynamic so it doesn't feel like a personal affront. Sometimes for me, I feel like, how dare you? I never did that. But I, I know that I can't show up the way that my parents did, not for what I want to accomplish. But still, I struggle and I feel like I'm flubbing it up. Well, let me say, I'm going to humanize this because that is human. That's motherhood. That's parenthood. I mean, their behavior could be annoying as heck sometimes, a lot of times. <laughs> um, and I think there's a fine line between having boundaries and saying, you know, well, no, you have to shower and, and do your homework before you get to watch YouTube or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other stuff, the meat and potatoes, whatnot, or I don't know what what's a good Asian parallel to that um, dumplings and rice <laughs> or something. Um, but the the idea of being curious as a parent versus trying to put these firm beliefs on them. Now, the, obviously, with the self-work, identifying your values, like for me, I would like them to be assertive, being able to voice their opinions, even if people don't agree with mm. them. And so I have to keep that in mind when they're telling me something and, mm. and, and being more curious and saying, well, what, what led you to think that? And guiding them to tell me their rationale versus cutting them off right away. It takes a mm -hmm. lot of patience. Sometimes mm -hmm. you just don't have it. But there are certain situations, obviously, that there are hard lines, like you don't want them to be unkind to someone or cruel or be engaging in gossip or bullying, none of that. But just in terms of doing things in certain order or things that they enjoy, I think those conversations can be approached more exploratory than shutting them down. Mm, that's good advice. Instead of, like you said, shutting them down, asking, why do you think that? Or can you explain to me how you're feeling or why this is coming up for you? Yeah. yeah. Ah, I like that. <laughs> it's, it's a work in progress for anybody. Even though I'm a psychologist, it's like, you have to like breathe for a minute <laughs> before you <laughs> engage in that, you know. I appreciate, by the way, hearing you as a psychologist say that. Because I think there's this aura of, oh, psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists, they know everything. So their relationships must be amazing and without any hiccups and it's, it's smooth sailing. They know so much. So to know that even you have to take that breath is very, I think, gratifying on some level. Well, I think humanizing um, therapists even more is we are containers for other people's emotions. And so we're sitting with people constantly. I, I've worked with veterans for over a decade, very severe, acute issues. And when you come home, that doesn't mean that that all went away, right? And so you're mm -hmm. also a container for your family, for the kids and, and, and your close friends. And so 
I think it is important to, again, do your own work as well, because you may be not showing up the way that you want to when you come home. And that's with anybody, right? We mm-hmm. have careers and we deal with coworkers and supervisors and there's a whole bunch of things to unpack so we can be present with our families, which again, continues to be a struggle in our new world. Mm-hmm. So I like to end my interviews with kind of a parting thought or affirmation, something that might resonate with the listeners and might be, since it's the last thing they're going to hear, might be something that they can take with them as a learning or a nugget of wisdom. Um, do you have anything you'd like to, to share? Well, I will really end with relationships is the most important currency. And mm. I say that to remind people that when we have our children, if you have children, any loved ones in your life, really nurture those just as much as you would your career or scrolling through your phone. I am guilty of that a lot just because, you know, the nature of what I do um, on my spare time with the podcast. And I have to remind myself that I need to set it down because if I'm not present, then I'm really missing out on that relationship and that quality time. No one says on their deathbed, from my understanding, from the research, (laughs) I'm sure there may be someone, but I should have worked more, right? I think really nurture your relationships because those are the things that are going to carry you through tough times. Yes, Mm. my house is always insane, but in a very loving, chaotic, supportive way where during hard times, we have built-in support here. I love that. So glad for this thought-provoking discussion with Stephanie. Here are a few quick learnings I had. Number one, generational patterns are the thoughts and values that get passed down from your parents or caregivers and their parents and caregivers. Doing the work to analyze your family relationships is a key first step to understanding generational patterns. Number two, cultural genograms can help. These are family trees that include a deeper level of detail, such as the tone or fate of a relationship, gender identity of individuals, mental and physical health conditions, and more. I found a good explanation of this at therapistaid.com. You can see the show notes for a link or just Google cultural genogram to find out more. Number three, a common generational pattern is emotional suppression. When people don't really talk about emotions within the family, trauma impacts the way that we react with others including our families, and emotional suppression can hinder our ability to cope with distress in a healthy way, which leads us to pass that trauma on. Number four, self-awareness is facilitated not only by reflecting on things, but getting feedback. Encourage your children to share how they feel and give you feedback on how you're showing up for them. It role models that you're thinking about your behaviors and not just wagging your finger at them. Number five, knowing your values comes in handy when you feel challenged by your kids. For example, if you want your kids to express their opinions and think for themselves, remind yourself of these values and use them to help reframe their opposition or pushback. Your values can make it easier to come from a place of compassion and curiosity instead of defensiveness. Number six, relationships are our most important currency, so don't take them for granted. To learn more about Stephanie and the Color of Success podcast, you can visit colorofsuccesspodcast.com or follow her on Instagram at 
color underscore of underscore success. She's also on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'll put those links in the show notes so you can find them easily. Remember, you have to take action to be something. And by listening, you're doing the work and showing that you are a strong, growth-oriented woman and mom. So high five to you. Don't forget to follow at Novi Raise Them on Instagram and Facebook. And if you found something helpful or insightful, please subscribe or follow and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. And here's to strong women. May we know them, may we be them, and may we raise them.